2019 was a rough year on a year-over-year basis, and, and we ended December um, and even in, in, going into January in negative year-over-year growth rates in the manufacturing sector. Uh, across the board, a lot of weaknesses that were out there. But you were starting to see signs that maybe we were we were coming out of it, right? We were stabilizing, but you know, as I like to remind folks, we were stabilizing in a still weak place. But you know, when you look at the top markets we're selling into, you know, eight of the top ten countries that we sell into, we're seeing improvements uh, in January. But then we get to the coronavirus issue, and I think that that's where that timing issue really is, is unfortunate because I think you're going to see some some obviously some very negative significant drags coming from that. Connect, influence, optimize. You're listening to The Channel Channel, a podcast for executives and others involved in the authorized sale of electronic components. Brought to you by the ECIA, the Electronic Component Industry Association. Working to promote and improve the authorized distribution channel. Welcome to this episode of The Channel Channel, ECIA's podcast. My name is Dale Ford, a Chief Analyst at ECIA, and I will be the host for this episode. I'm pleased to welcome Chad Moutre, Chief Economist for the National Association of Manufacturers, the NAM. Chad is joining us to provide his insights on the economic outlook for manufacturers and to share, uh, importantly, his perspective on the impact of the coronavirus on the manufacturing industry. Chad? We're excited to have you on the show. Thanks, Dale. It's always it's always fun to, to talk to you, and I'm I'm happy to be on the show. So great, great. Well, let's get rolling. We start every episode by asking our guest for their favorite word. What is your favorite word, Chad? My favorite word. Wow, you you you're starting with the really tough questions here, Dale. Um, <laughs> Uh, growth. How does that sound like an economist? That would be something that I would. It's always nice to see more and more growth. So how's that? Outstanding. That's, that's a, a great that's word. A cliche, that's a cliche. That's a cliche answer, I suspect, isn't it, for for an economist? But well, I, I like that one. We had another guest uh, uh, who who said his favorite word is exponential. I like that one as well. So yeah, I like that. Maybe exponential growth. It would even be be even better, right? That's right. That's right. Good. Good. Well, great. And maybe just to briefly share with us how you got involved with what's an interesting focus, uh, not just on the economy, but on the manufacturing economy. So, you know, I, I have always had a passion for public policy and economics, and, and, and I kind of gathered that in high school, and then when I went to college, kind of settled on economics. So those kind of, to me, kind of went hand in hand. I think economics really helps explain a lot of public policy in, in, in many ways. Um, and you know, prior to the NAM, I actually was chief economist at the U.S. Small Business Administration for eight years. Um, so working in the Office of Advocacy there from 2002 to 2010. Uh, and when that ended, it was a it was a natural progression, I think, for us for me to move over to uh, talk about manufacturing and, and come over to the NAM. Um, you know, the National Association of Manufacturers has about 90% of its membership is small business, small and medium-sized manufacturers. So it really was a nice uh, kind of, of a pr progression there to go from SBA to the NAM. Oh, excellent. Great synergy. Good. Well, the, the topic that has been dominating the news these days, of course, 
is the coronavirus and the impact that is having on the economy. And in particular, uh, ECIA members are right now working to cope with the impact on their supply chains and their markets. So let's turn to uh, that topic and get your uh, insights there. Maybe we could begin uh, with just uh, your general observations on key issues related to the coronavirus and how this is impacting the economy. So you know, that's a great question, Dale. I mean, certainly there's an awful lot of unknowns there, right? Um, but I mean, it's pretty clear from us and talking to many of our manufacturing members that you know there's there's clearly uh, disruptions in production, right? Um, uh, many many manufacturers are also having not just supply chain issues, but also employee issues. You know, employees even when they've opened up, we tried to reopen. Uh, there, you know, there wasn't always the employees there to be able to to, to be able to work those facilities. And so, uh, I mean, I, I, and I would imagine that that's you know keenly uh, something that the electronics components industry is keenly aware of. Uh, so you know we, we you know we continue to hear that. Um, uh, there, there's obviously some issues with, you know, just how transparent the Chinese are with the overall data. Um, I mean, it does look like maybe things are stabilizing a little bit there, but, but you have to, uh, again, wonder how, how, how true the numbers are that we're getting. Um, you know, my, my sense, and I think one of the things that I think is the big open question here is, is this a first quarter problem or is this, is this something that is a longer term problem for the sector? And I think uh, we're going to know a lot more over the next couple of weeks, um, at least this is my view, um, in terms of whether this is a first quarter problem or whether it's bigger than that. Um, it, to the extent that manufacturers are able to go in and reopen facilities at the end of February, which many of them have kind of said that they would like to do, or beginning of March, um, uh, and to the extent that those supply chains start re, you know, reconnecting, um, uh, that could suggest that this is the first quarter problem, right? And, and that maybe the hit that we're going to see, not just on Chinese GDP, but also on the U.S. economic outlook, uh, is, is more of a first quarter problem. Um, if it goes beyond that, I think, uh, and particularly if we continue to see an ever-increasing number of cases, uh, this is something that could dampen the outlook, not just for the first quarter, but also for the second quarter. Okay. So maybe a couple of follow-up questions on that, uh, just in terms of the timing, is you know potential you know definitely an impact on the first quarter, potentially second quarter. Is this something that you think can be um, the losses can be recovered in the second half of the year, or or what's the outlook in terms of how the full year will shape up if we take this hit in the first and possibly the second quarter? Um, I mean, I, I, I don't see it being, I mean, obviously, if you're buying an electronic component and you were going to buy it, uh, you know, those obviously hopefully will shift <laughs> to buying it later. So I, I do think from, from, from a sales perspective, perhaps there'll be some shifting uh, of demand. In general, though, I think that the loss that you're, you, we would expect to see in the first quarter is not going to be recouped. Um, uh, you would expect uh, at least probably a one percentage point decline in GDP in, in, in China. For, you know, there's a lot of debate over what that will be, and there's also a lot of debate over how honest the Chinese will be in terms of, some of the, what that, that hit is, uh, especially given some comments from, from the Chinese government that they still intend to meet their, their, their growth targets this for this year, uh, which seems a little suspect. Um, 
Uh, and in, in the U.S., we're probably looking at, you know, at least a 0.2 percentage point decline in GDP, maybe a little bit more than that, depending on how much longer this, this goes on. Uh, so, I mean, you know, my view is, yes, for the electronics industry, there probably could be some shifting that takes place there in terms of demand. But I think the larger hit is, is, is going to be uh, a more permanent one, and we would expect kind of a, the hit for the, for the overall annual figure. So that point to two points a loss you is the annual figure you're you're talking about. Well, that no, that point two is for the first quarter. Uh, okay. uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, I still, I, I mean, I you'll hear me say this later on, but I, I still see us growing around 1.8 percent in the U.S. Um, there's obviously upside and downside risk to that figure, but that, but that, that's what I have. Uh, the, but in the first quarter, we're we're looking at you know, 1.2, 1.3% growth in the first quarter. And that really is coming from the coronavirus hit, but also some other factors um, that, that are kind of dampening overall growth uh, in, in the first quarter. So there, there are a wide range of forecasts out there uh, yes. in terms <laughs> of the uh, GDP uh, impact from this. Uh, I've seen even some uh, calling for GDP uh, to go flat in China yes. or even possibly negative. And uh, so, so there's a wide range out there. What, what should people look at to assess just how, you know, strong this impact is going to be? Um, what factors out there will influence it to, to be stronger or weaker? Well, I mean, I kind of hinted about this earlier. I think it'd be interesting to see how honest the Chinese are going to be with with the overall data that come out. Um, I mean, when you look at a lot of other proxy data, it, it's pretty clear. You know, people aren't going to out to eat or to sh or to you know to, to the movies, and you're certainly seeing electricity and other kind of proxies production fall through the floor. Um, and so that would suggest to you probably something a little bit closer to stagnant growth, especially for manufacturing. Um, uh, but I mean, I, I don't expect the Chinese are going to report that, right? I think they're going to probably report something along the lines of, at least for the first quarter, maybe something, you know, 5% year over year growth or something along those lines. So, um, so that's, I think that's, that's the first thing I would say is, is look, look, number one, at those proxy variables in terms of, you know, some of the things that we typically look at to try to get a true sense of how fast the Chinese really are growing, not just what they're reporting. Uh, but also look, but also look just to see uh, what they actually report themselves in terms of when we get it in the in the next couple of weeks here. You know, industrial production and and, and retail sales and, and and GDP data. Okay, so with the government, uh, the Chinese government has <clears throat> there have been announcements of various steps they're taking to try to buffer the impact uh, in, in terms of uh, support for businesses and the and the losses that they're experiencing. Uh, just how effective do you think uh, uh, government actions can be? I'm, I'm expect, I don't anticipate there will be government actions outside of China. Uh, if there are, maybe you can share that. But, but how effective do you think uh, government uh, interventions and actions will be in, in helping to soften the blow here? Well, I mean, I think the, the advantage, obviously, in, in China is that uh, they do have that you know, authoritarian rule allows you to do quite a bit thing, of things that you might not be able to do, in, say, in the United States or other places. So it, uh, th those quarantines obviously uh, have been implemented. Hopefully that helps uh, prevent the spread of this disease further. Um, I know that there's a lot of worry outside of China in, 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 in Japan and other, you know, South Korea and other countries in terms of trying to contain the spread there. Uh, 
but I do think that, that those measures hopefully will be helpful. I think the other kind of unknown is as, as temperatures warm up, how does, how does this virus react to that? I mean, SARS, for instance, uh, warmer weathers tended to help kind of prevent that disease from spreading further. And so, you know, so I think that will be helpful. Um, you know, and the other, the other thing, obviously, in, in terms of the overall economy, you know, the Chinese government has the enormous ab ability to help stabilize things by providing assistance and, and stabilizing the monetary markets and financial markets. So I do think that they'll allow, that will help, help them smooth things out as they try to bounce back from this. Okay, okay. Um, any sense for which manufacturing sectors have been impacted more or less in this crisis? You know, we, we're, we're of course focused on um, electronics, but uh, uh, what other sectors do you think are impacted the most? The automotive, uh, what, what's, what's your, any insights there? I mean, definitely automotive. Uh, I mean, automotive sales, to be fair, were falling pretty dramatically even before uh, the coronavirus uh, spread in China. Uh, so they definitely have been hit. Uh, you know, any, you know, we obviously saw a lot of air aircraft and machinery and, and fabricated metal products and, and a lot of other things. Uh, and those have all been affected uh, pretty dramatically. Uh, some food producers obviously have been affected those to the extent we sell as agricultural products um, in, in, into China. So I think those have certainly been hit. Uh, your sector, obviously, a lot of production uh, as well as demand uh, is, is taking place there. And so uh, those, are, those are, have been pretty significant hits as well. And, you know, interestingly, though, when you look at the manufacturing production data on a year-for-year -year basis, uh, computer and electronic products actually was one of the one that fared the best in terms of manufacturing production data in January, up 6.5% year-over-year. So that, that could just simply be a function of where, where things were uh, one year ago. But that, that is an interesting stat, which will be interesting to see what happens with when we get to the January data, if that takes a bit of a hit um, in, in light of the coronavirus figures. Yeah, that's the concern in the industry is that we were starting the process of a, a recovery from what's been a down period in the electronics industry in our cycles. And uh, the concern is, is uh, just how strong this will impact that uh, recovery phase. So we'll be watching that closely. Yeah, yeah. Any other insights on, on potential ripple effects or second, third order uh, dimensions here that we should be aware of? Well, I, I, I think I'm going to kind of tee off of what you just said here, and, and that is just to kind of give a bigger out, outlook of where I see the manufacturing sector and, and, and the bad timing of, of the coronavirus, uh, because we were starting to see signs of, of stabilization in the manufacturing sector, not just in the U.S., but globally, and, and that included uh, in China. Um, and so, you know, certainly 2018, a banner year for most manufacturing um, manufacturers, you know, as I was traveling around and meeting with our member companies, most of them said they had the best sales, production, employment growth that they'd ever had. In fact, employment growth uh, in, in 2018 was the best since 1997 nationally. Uh, but 2019 was a rough year on a year-over-year -year basis, and, and we ended December um, and even in, going into January in negative year-over-year -year growth rates in the manufacturing sector. Uh, across the board, a lot of weaknesses that were out there. But you were starting to see signs that maybe we were, we were coming out of it, right? We were stabilizing, but you know, as I like to remind folks, we were stabilizing in a still weak place. But you know, when you look at the top markets we're selling into, you know, eight of the top ten countries that we sell into, we're seeing improvements uh, in January. 
But then we get to the coronavirus issue, and I think that that's where that timing issue really is, is unfortunate because I think you're going to see some, some obviously some very neg- significant drags coming from that. Case in point, uh, Germany uh, exports about 20% of their production. Uh, the largest market, one of the largest markets is China, and I think that's a large part of why Europe and, and Germany continue to be kind of in the doldrums. And so that, that, that's unfortunate for them as well. So it's not just a, a, a China problem, it's a, it's a global problem, and you're going to see a knockoff effect on global growth as a result of that. And so ho- hopefully, again, this is a, this is a first quarter problem. Uh, and, and, and as we get into the second quarter, uh, you start seeing some, some rebounds and returning to that stabilization that we were seeing kind of leading into this, to this outbreak. Great, great. Good. Well, uh, shifting gears a bit, there are other very important developments that have been in play uh, prior to the development of uh, this uh, most recent crisis. And I'd love to turn to th- those areas and, and get your insights there as well. Big news uh, coming particularly here in the U.S. with the uh, final approvals and um, uh, of the uh, U.S.-Mexico-Canada trade agreement, uh, USMCA. Uh, what is that going to mean for manufacturing in North America, in the U.S.? And if you can, any comments on what that might mean specifically for electronics? So I think, you know, I mentioned earlier that one of the, you know, last year was a challenging year for the sector. Um, and, and for those who read my Monday economic report, you probably got tired of me saying the phrase uh, slowing global growth and, and, and trade uncertainties, right? um, because that was pretty pervasive last year, right? Especially on that trade side. It wasn't just, you know, whether we were going to get USMCA signed. It was also the deal, you know, what was happening with China, what was happening in terms of Brexit, what's happening in terms of the Mexican border, those were all issues that percolated last year. And so, you know, in, in December, we, we obviously got uh, the USMCA across the finish line. That was an encouraging sign that, that you know, we're not walking away from NAFTA, which, is, which was also a threat that was out there. Uh, uh, we're not going to be closing the Mexican border. Again, th- things that happened last spring and summer, there were conversations being taken, taking place. Uh, and, and we got the phase one deal. <clears throat> excuse me, with China signed. And so, you know, all those were both uh, very significant. And, and, and obviously the Brexit, um, the, the UK left uh, the Eurozone at the end of January. So th- there is increased trade certainty out there. And I, and, and I think it's hard not to underestimate just the positive impacts from that. Uh, we saw the ISM uh, data, the, the Purchasing Managers Index from the Institute for Supply Management kind of rebound in January. We saw just this week, we saw better data from both the New York and Philadelphia Fed. Uh, and, and I think a lot of that increased optimism was coming from those increased trade certainties. Um, we have our own survey in the field right now, and, and uh, I can't discuss really where that number's going, but just a hint, it's, it's looking a little better than it was in December. Um, and so I think that really goes a long way to helping it. And, and, and uh, you know, still there's a lot to do on the trade front. You know, there still needs to be a phase two deal, right? There's still are tariffs out there against the Chinese. There's still uncertainties on the auto side. Um, but uh, I think manufacturers in general are happy to have that certainty that they didn't have before. And I think that will help kind yeah. of the overall, certainly business spending, which has been really dragging for the last three quarters. Great. You mentioned uh, China and the phase one agreement that was signed. Uh, the, one of the things that's been highlighted that's of real interest to our members is that this has 
uh, commitments in the areas of intellectual property, trade yeah. secrets, patents, counterfeiting, judicial enforcement, and and they refer to that there are now enforcement mechanisms. How, how do you see intellectual property being protected in this new agreement? Well, I think that's one of the more encouraging parts of the phase one deal. And certainly from a manufacturing standpoint, that's something we were pushing for uh, from the very beginning is that there's a lot of complaints out there for the last two or two, you know, couple decades or more from manufacturers complaining about limited access to China, that they were stealing you know, their intellectual property, um, a whole host of issues. And, and so the fact that we got those intellectual property protections in fa the phase one deal uh, was something that we were very encouraged by. And I think now it's just a matter of, of making sure that they live up to their word on that. Um, I'm not a trade lobbyist, so I'll, I certainly, uh, but I'm sure our trade lobbyists will be watching that that issue uh, pretty, pretty pretty closely to make sure that that those enforcement mechanisms are clearly adhered to. Okay, and on the U.S. side, they, there's uh, part of the agreement was cutting tariffs on. 160 billion dollars worth of goods from 15 percent to seven and a half percent on list 4a what if what in general you know there's a long lists i know but what in general is covered uh on that list of where the the tariffs are going to be cut do we know um i'm going to give you an honest answer here because i don't i'm not even going to punt i don't follow that issue as closely as some of our trade folks and so i i would have to i'd have to come back to you on that um but 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 again i think that that's that's um pretty encouraging uh, that that those were cut still again more progress has to be made there but but uh definitely encouraging that you saw some cuts in some of those those, those lists so shifting uh the other direction uh you mentioned brexit and uh, the Eurozone issues, and uh, we now have uh, new negotiations taking place in terms of trade agreements between uh, UK and, and EU. Uh, I think uh, there and then as well as the US now uh, entering into negotiations with each of the UK and the EU itself. Any, any insights on that and, and what's taking place there and how that might impact us? Well, I think the comment I would make there is is keep in mind that the UK and Germany, uh, which is the largest economy in Europe, are our f fourth and fifth um, large, excuse me, our fifth and sixth largest trading partners. Uh, and so it's important for us to continue to keep uh, the, the flow of goods and services going into in, into Europe and to the UK. Uh, and, and I think the other thing to keep in mind is. There's also, I think, uh, we can't underestimate the effect that actually doing Brexit that, and the certainty of Brexit helped. I think that's a large part of why Boris Johnson won, is that he was offering that certainty of Brexit. Uh, and and pe I think people were tired of just the debate of whether it was or wasn't going to happen. Um, I think the, the challenge over the course of the next uh, year here is for them to actually get that trade agreement with Euro the Eurozone, right, and to be able to have some certainty there. Uh, and and the, the the UK is also going to be turning its attention to trade agreements with us and with other countries as well. So I think those are all things to watch, um, and and certainly something that we're going to be very engaged in uh, as we move through the course of this year. And in the backdrop of that, obviously, is the fact that Europe is is really growing very sluggishly, right? So at most they're going to be looking for roughly one percent growth this year. And so uh, they also need not just that certainty, but also some drivers to kind of to, to not to kick up growth uh, on the on the continent. Okay. In terms of what's happening here 
in the U.S. in your recent uh, report, you noted that uh, new data from TradeStats Express noted that uh, 2009, the value of 2019 U.S. manufactured goods declined nearly two and a half percent, down to 1.365 trillion from 1.4 trillion in uh, 2019 compared to 2018. Um, uh, and the suggestion that international demands for U.S. manufactured goods had weakened. Any any insights on that? What are the factors that have? What are the sectors that have been most impacted in terms of manufacturing in that decline and uh, expectations there looking forward? So yeah, we saw about a two and a half percent decline in manufactured goods exports last year. I mean, the the good news there. I mean, yeah, obviously not. It's not great to have exports falling. Uh, imports also fell, by the way. So I think overall trade volumes fell last year. Uh, but we're still not far from the all-time high. So we're still not far from that 1.4 trillion dollar uh, number for manufactured goods exports. And so I, I don't want to say this is the sky is falling there with that figure, uh, even though we would like to see that number continuing to grow. Uh, when you look at the, I mean, in many ways it's across the board in terms of sectors that really got hit. Obviously, aerospace got hit hard. Uh, but so did machinery and, and uh, I, you know, a lot of the things that you, when you think of the things that we sell abroad, uh, computers would probably be in that list as well uh, and technology, but certainly machinery, fabricated metal products, chemicals got hit hard last year. All of those things uh, really were dampened by the fact that global trade volumes fell. Um, uh, again, it wasn't just a U.S. problem. The slowing global growth and trade uncertainty is something that hit the whole whole uh, globe. And so. Um, Hopefully, we can turn that around here uh, with things stabilizing. Great, great. Well, this has been very helpful. I've appreciated the chance to uh, visit with you and, and get your insights on the economy and how it uh, is going to uh, impact uh, our industry and, and our members going forward. Maybe just as we wrap up, you could share uh, for those members who are not as familiar with the NAM. We, we have a, a, a wonderful relationship between ECIA and you. Maybe just uh, you could briefly explain uh, the mission of the NAM and uh, uh, the unique role it plays in supporting uh, the economy. So this is actually an exciting year for the National Association of Manufacturers. We're, we are 125 years old this year, so founded in 1895 in Cincinnati. Uh, and we have 14,000 members, uh, small, medium, and large, every state, pretty much every sector of the economy. Uh, and I think, you know, when you, when you think about business trade associations here in Washington, D.C., uh, certainly I think people are looking to the NAM to be uh, that force that kind of drives policies forward both on both sides of the aisle. And, and I think it's, it's, for me, it's exciting to work for a very dynamic and uh, uh, kind of change, uh, very uh, life-changing, that's not the right word, but certainly policy-changing type of organization that really tries to, to kind of push things forward, again, regardless of what side of the aisle you happen to sit on. Uh, so that's, that's exciting, uh, and I, certainly people can look at the issues that we kind of are out pushing. Then go to, to www.nam.org uh, and see more information. Uh, and you can also always follow me on Twitter at... Uh, Chad Moutre, uh, so that's C-H-A-D-M-O-U-T-R-A-Y, uh, all one word. Excellent, excellent. Well, thank you very much, and it's been great to visit with you today. Uh, 
we will be covering uh, other important topics in our uh, ECIA, the channel channel, uh, as we move forward. Uh, but we will be returning to the topic of the economy uh, each quarter as we move forward. And so, again, thank you, Chad. And with that, we'll wrap up this episode. Thank you. Thanks, Dale. And, and uh, hopefully uh, we continue to see better days ahead. <laughs> thank you.